0: Today I have the big pleasure to present an episode about a very special art of selling wine. I talk with Elodie. Elodie is the owner of a small wine tourism company that is called Bordeaux with Elodie. And today we talk about the art of selling wine to English-speaking tourists. This episode is especially valuable for you if you try to increase your attractiveness and your offers for tourists and if you want to improve your way of creating wine tasting experiences and also how to increase the sales after tastings. So stay tuned and listen to the very end. It gets better and better. This episode is presented to you by wine plus wine plus is a German based platform for wine professionals from all around the world. It is written W E I N dot plus W E I N dot plus and all the episodes of the art of selling wine and my German podcast wine verkauft are available in early access for the wine plus members. It's a free membership, so you don't have to pay and you get two weeks early access to any episode. The Bordeaux series is also powered by Amorim Cork. Amorim Cork is partner of my German podcast and therefore they enabled me to do this whole endeavor in Bordeaux. And if you are currently looking for a new supplier of high quality cork, I recommend taking a look at Amorim Cork. And if you understand German, I also provide a nice German episode. I think it's number 62 with Gerd Reis. He's the CEO of the northern European division of Amorim Kork, and we talk about the renaissance of Kork and the future of closing closing systems for wine bottles. And last but not least, this whole series, the Bordeaux series, was made possible by a German company called Euramobil, Euromobile, you would pronounce it in English. They produce high-quality mobile homes and they provided me, meaning my wife and me, with a mobile home just for the trip to Bordeaux, And if you are interested in these kinds of things, I highly recommend going to The Art of Selling Wine episodes 4, maybe 5, and taking a look at our travel diary. In that episode, we talk about all the funny things we got to see and got to do in Bordeaux and all the accidents we had. And also, I give you a brief overview about the mobile home we were in and how living and working in a mobile home actually turned out to be. Additional partner for the French series is vitisphere.com. Whenever you want to find out about what's going on in French wine business, I highly recommend visiting vitisphere. They are very helpful to our industry in France. The Bordeaux episodes were also supported by Bordeaux.com. It's the website of the Bordeaux Winegrowers Association, CIVB, and they supported me with giving me access to many, many, many of the interview partners that you are going to get to know in the following episodes. So, Elodie, we are hanging out in this place called Darwin mm-hmm. which was already recommended to me twice or three times to uh, go and visit when I'm in Bordeaux city. So uh, please just briefly explain, me, explain to me what this is.
1: Well this is the place where we have our offices and we love it because it's pretty central. It's right in Bordeaux, but on the other side of the river compared to all the actions. So you see it's a pretty quiet place and uh, it's great to work from here because it's a lot of different companies, a lot of young companies, great energy to uh, work and uh, develop uh, Bordeaux with Elodie. And you see we have space to live the vans that we take our guests in. So you Know we just love being here, and I think it's a place you need to see when you come to Bordeaux.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's, it's like a, a bit like this Berlin style area. You kind have of, a right? skate park, <laughs> uh-huh. and I mean, you expect to hear some techno sounds from, coming from you yeah, have like some, one of yeah, that sometimes. <laughs> this is, this is uh, what I can imagine going on here. Um, yeah, so, um, nice for having me. Thanks for having me. No, thank
1: you for coming here.
0: Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's great clever. to meet you. You were one of the first people to just immediately react to my uh, messages and uh, so uh, just explain to the audience a bit uh, what you're doing professionally
1: yeah so um, I started a few years ago now uh, back in 2014 actually a little company called the Bordeaux with Elodie and uh, I was thinking at that time that I would just be me on my own uh, driving a minivan and going to pick up uh, travelers coming to Bordeaux so that I can show them what we do in Bordeaux when it comes to wine and food and culture and history. And uh, that's what I did for a while. And then I got pregnant with my second son. So I thought, huh, I need somebody else, you know, at some point to take over the driving and the showing around. So that's when I started to look for, you know, other guides, other people who could be uh, part of the adventure with me. So uh, that's when I met Laura, who is uh, the first person who started who work. Uh, at Bordeaux with Elodie with me and uh, because you hear the name is Bordeaux with Elodie so really it was based on the experience in Bordeaux with me Elodie so it was very hard at the beginning to project and think I need to find another Elodie (laughs) you know (laughs) so but uh, you know little by little I realized you know I can find other personalities that gonna match exactly what my guests are looking for when they come to Bordeaux so what we do is that um we demystify Bordeaux because we know that Bordeaux is a place that can be kind of scary, even for you know people who know a lot about wine. It's it's a pl- it's a place that's difficult to understand and wine that have such a big history. That um, yeah, you need somebody I think to take you by the hand and show you that it's not that you know
0: uh, overwhelming. Yes, yeah, yes, you can
1: understand mm-hmm. it and you can be part of it and. So that was the idea, and what we do is that we have i like to say this chic relax uh, vibe where guests who come to bordeaux uh, can find somebody who is like they their friend this friend they have been having for a long time that is going to show them what bordeaux is really really is, but especially when it comes to wine mm. but also culture and tradition and most of the time our guests live from bordeaux and we're hugging and we're friends and we created a great uh, you know we bonded really so so what we do at bordeaux with Elodie is that we we take these travelers in the vineyard we explain you know adapt to the level of knowledge and interest of course and are going to uh, go to a lot of different wineries and explain how we make the wine and the differences between the wineries and the wine regions, because we have, you know, more than 60 appellations in Bordeaux. So it means we have a lot of different type of wine, a lot of different practices, a lot of different histories and terroir. And so there's a lot to say and a lot to discover. So we try um, to give the best experience possible in one, two, three days uh, exploring the best of Bordeaux, but not the most touristy one of course. Mm.
0: Yeah, so uh, it seems that uh, by accident I just stumbled upon the right person to give me a start in Bordeaux because I'm also here. I just uh, thought okay let's go to Bordeaux but I don't know anyone here so i have like no network to to get in contact with and uh, either you are very well positioned mm-hmm. by or by accident i stumbled upon you both could be true in a way so uh, yeah it's it's cool that we meet and uh, the topic we are going to explore today is not so much about the wine tourism but uh, i wanted to flip the perspective a bit around yeah. and to ask uh, from the position of a winery who wants to be attractive for working together with a tour guide like you what are the do's and don'ts uh, that might benefit me or that might uh, sabotage this idea and so uh, let's with with keeping this in mind uh, let's let's explore a bit uh, the kind of tours you do and uh, who your clients are, what they want, uh, what 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 you need from a winery to show them, like all this stuff, yeah. Okay. And uh, maybe we uh, we begin this whole topic with um, exploring your customer base, so that we understand where you are coming from.
1: Okay. So most of our clientele uh, comes from the U.S. because I used to live in the U.S. for a long time. So that's really what I catered the offer. Uh, for is the American clientele, or at least English-speaking clientele, uh, because also uh, they are the travelers who look for this kind of uh, services. Um, so it's usually people, some, some people who don't know anything about wine, but they want to know, but more and more people are getting you know, an education about wine. Even you, people who are very small drinkers. I, I
0: need to, to just jump in here. Tell this me. kind of services, you mean like fully organized tours?
1: Fully or organized tour, or at least somebody who's going to take you the whole day and show you everything you need to see about a wine region in Bordeaux. So it means the service of transportation that is quite high-end um, and the service of uh, a knowledgeable... Uh, driver, wine guide, speaking English perfectly, you know, and the person who is going to know where to take you, because what is interesting in using a service like ours is that there are more than 600 wineries, 600 wineries, only in Mm Saint-Emilion. In Bordeaux, there are more than 8,000 wineries. So how do you do when you come here for the first time and be like, I want to go to this winery and this winery and I have just one day and I want to make the best out of it. So that's when, you know, we really have, you know, something to offer because we know where is the best place to go in one day. We know that this winery and this winery and this winery are all going to be very different and that at the end you you are going to have a very balanced and complementary experience with... Something that is more uh, oriented towards history, and something more about uh, modern wineries, and something more about, you know, uh, family orientated um, experience.
0: We had a small interruption because there were construction site noises, so we will continue now. Uh, so uh, we were talking about uh, the, the kind of service you offer, and you said um, this is especially demanded by. Uh, English citizens, American Mm. citizens.
1: Americans. Yeah, Yeah, because that's really the way that they travel. And I think that, you know, compared to French people who have five full weeks of vacation a year, you know, usually people in the US have a lot less vacation. So they want to get the most out of it when they travel. And maybe they will come to France for only a week and they are going to see several cities. So when they come to Bordeaux, they want in two days to see the best possible and not waste time. Going to the wrong winery, so that's what we do. We're really going to explain, you know, what you need to know and understand about the wine regions and and answer, you know, each tour is different. We don't have one tour. Each tour is different because we are going to customize to, you know, each uh, request and level of knowledge and uh, you know what people are here for. Some just want to go around for the day and see beautiful landscape and drink nice wines some other guests are really going to want to learn and are here really because they want to get a better understanding of what they get when they come in a wine shop and they want to get some bottle wine. Mm. So it's very interesting for us, for my team of guides, because it's always a different experience. There's not a day looking like the other. And we go to a lot of wineries. So it's true that compared to other tours where every day you're going you know they are going to go to the same wineries over and over every day we really customize compared to the you know what our client is looking for
0: and uh, the clients you get uh, do you get them from a booking agency or are you uh, how does the
1: well we work with a few, work? <laughs> with a few traveling agencies but it started mainly from the fact that I worked in the food and wine business in the U.S. when I was living there. So it's really word of mouth. So it's really the best way I could dream of to market my my tools because it's really happy clients talking to other clients. And so in the sense, the best way.
0: if you don't know where to start, go and ask Elodie.
1: Yeah, kind of. Okay. <laughs> so that's pretty cool.
0: That's nice and of
1: course we are also you know a few guides from different wine regions and we know how you know we we know who our guests should go to if they want to explore another wine region so we know who to recommend and we are like this very small network of like uh, ah, so you're like, rides. okay
0: if you go to Long doc talk to this person exactly we, uh, exactly this, okay I understand I understand so this mm-hmm. is this is good to know uh, if if another tour guide uh, listens uh, from another country uh, what should they provide to be part of this recommendation network?
1: Uh, invite me and show me what they can do, <laughs> and I will be happy to do the same here in Bordeaux, because that's the best way. The best way to to, to talk about a service somewhere else is really to to live it, mm-hmm. right? To experience it, and then you can talk perfectly about it. And I can, I, I would be able to know. Okay, does it match the requirement? Because our idea, really, at Bordeaux with Eudi, is really to always have exceptional service, and this is, we are laid back, you know, we don't come in the vans with the suits, and it's, it's all about a laid back experience, because our, our guests are coming here on vacation, and they mm. want a laid back time, and they mm. want to learn, but they want it to be also fun, mm. you know.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, usually I do this at the end, but uh, since uh, I understand that this is uh, also also of commercial interest. Um, where can people uh, look at you? What's your website? What's your social? Like, where can they reach out for you?
1: So we we are a little bit everywhere on social networks. Uh, we've been working a lot on that during COVID because COVID hit us very hard. Of course, we're in France and we work with the American clientele. So COVID has been, you know, a very tough moment. Uh, so we've been working a lot on uh, our social media presence with, uh, you know, Bordeaux with Elodie's and Uh, Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook and um, our website of of course is very important Uh, it's uh, Bordeaux with L-O-D so Bordeaux like the city W-I-T-H-E-L-O-D-I-E dot com and um, this is you know one of the most important places that people are going through to find us of course and um we have been also working a lot on our uh, a YouTube channel and it's been a lot of fun. So during COVID, um, we've been uh, shooting some videos, tasting wine in wineries where we love taking our guests to. So we couldn't take our guests to these wineries and they couldn't come here. And everybody was so frustrated. So we decided... If you don't <laughs> come here, we
0: get drunk ourselves. <laughs> <I> and, <laughs> we and we show you.
1: <laughs> so you can... You know, I had that once. I had... Uh, a a client that has been coming here several times and I really love them, a couple from the U.S. and He's been telling me, you know, we can't come and we're so frustrated and they had to cancel their last trip that was planned for 2020. They tried to, to plan it again for 2021 and now they are trying to come in 2022. But he said, when, I, when I'm watching your videos, I feel like I'm sitting with you guys enjoying this glass of wine with you at the winery and it feels so good. And they, they were like, keep on doing it, please. So, you know, we thought it was a great way to keep in touch with our guests and keep in touch with the wineries we love working with and keep the fun because really the idea behind Bordeaux with Elodie, it's always been that, is we want to do in life what we love. So it means, you know, spending time with travelers who are on vacation and want to have a good time and learn about wine and learn about the passion that we are sharing, which is wine and food, and because I lived away from Bordeaux, I'm originally from Bordeaux, I grew up here, but I lived uh, oh, far away from Bordeaux for 13 years. And coming back here, I thought, it's so wonderful. I love being able to to share this, this part of the world with other people who want to discover it. And... Um, you know, the the, the frustration of, uh, of COVID and not being able to keep on doing that.
0: Okay, so we had to have another short break because of <laughs> several cars going uh, Darwin. by.
1: And now a lot of things are happening here. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we, we were talking about your um, social um, channels and about your YouTube. Um, what is your website?
1: So my website is com, And we are going to present, you know, some different tours that we do here. And the team, of course, because... The, 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 the key of Bordeaux with Elodie are the, the, the people in the team, the, all the different uh, characters and uh, knowledge and personalities that are part of the team of Bordeaux with Elodie. And there is also one section that is very important, that is the section of our wine club. Uh, because also it started back in 2017. We started a wine club because a lot of... Uh, travelers coming here wanted to get some wine back to their home um, it's not easy to just uh, buy some wine in the properties and ship them back to your home for a lot of things because it all comes you know to the different duties and taxes and you cannot just not ship wine just like that and the cost of it and also because I will go Deeper into the subject, if you want, after, but a lot of wineries do not sell their wine at the estate. So we decided, you know, to start this wine club so that our guests would not have this frustration of not being able to get the wines back to their home in the U.S. And we could offer them like the Elodie selection, you know, with like all the wines that we are tasting all the time. We discover like gems all the time, and. We want to share that. So we started Bordeaux with the Lodi Wine Club back in 2017, but really didn't have time to develop that. So when COVID hit and we had one thing, it was time. So we uh, started working a lot on our wine club offer and it was a lot of fun. And we thought to talk about the wines that are part of, you know, that, that, that made the cut in our wine club selection. What about... Shooting tasting videos in these places, and we started to do that with Laura and Emily, who are part of like they are the 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 members of Bordeaux with Elodie that are with me all year long. Not only for the peak season because you know tourism is pretty seasonal, so a lot of people are coming from April to November. But Emily and Laura are here all year long with me, and we started shooting these uh, tasting videos and editing them and so we developed our youtube channel so if you look for us on Bodo on youtube you will find our videos and we have some also of course on our um, um, IGTV mm-hmm. and um, you know we we try really to be really active on social network because we know now you know a lot of people find us through social network and I think it's so important to be present there, you know, for our wine tour offers and our wine club offers both.
0: Yeah, I think this is, it's a good point that you mentioned this and that you also um, talk so much about it. Because um, for most wineries, um, having a social channel is actually quite hard. I mean, it's not hard to produce content, but uh, they just often don't know how and mm-hmm. uh I found that many winemakers, they have an Instagram channel where they are mainly communicating with other winemakers, actually. Mm -hmm. So um, people like you, uh, who who's acting like a professional influencer in a way, who says, Mm -hmm. okay, I will do the social media stuff in your business and I can guide customers to you. This is a very uh, important thing and Mm -hmm. um, I would like to understand now, um, what, what are you looking for in a winery? Uh, you you just mentioned that you have like two different cases. You have the winery that has uh, direct-to-consumer sales at the estate and mm-hmm. you have wineries who don't. So maybe you just uh, briefly explain this situation and then we can go and, yeah. uh, and see what wineries should provide.
1: Yeah, so um, in Bordeaux, it's very oh. specific, I would say, because it's historical uh, wineries for you know, uh, uh, hundreds of years, have been selling their wine through uh, what we call here the Place de Bordeaux, which is uh, an ensemble of uh, wine merchants and brokers who are really in charge of the distribution of Bordeaux wines. So historically, the winemakers make his wine, makes his wine, but that's it. Then, you know, all the sales of wine. Do you know, I don't know if you heard about the term uh, futures or en primeur before. Mm-hmm. So that's when we decide, um, you know, the, the winemaker is going to present his wine, baby wine, I like to say, because it's not a wine that is ready. You know, after the harvest of September, October, he will present his wine in April. So the wine still have to have at least a year in barrels. So it's not ready yet, but they're going to present to wine professionals you know, a sample of what this wine could be, you know. And at that moment, the merchants are going to buy the allocation of wine. So this is a very specific system. And uh, historically, the winemakers were selling all their wine through this network. So that's why also that's one of the reasons why wine tourism is so, you know, has been so late in Bordeaux. For the longest time, you could not visit anything in Bordeaux. It's
0: I mean, very new. If you look at it from a historical perspective, uh, the this trade system is way older than mass tourism.
1: Oh, totally.
0: So tourism totally. is the new thing. And, to- exactly. Uh, yeah.
1: And compared to new world, you know, countries, where some wineries were really developed on the base of this commercial, uh, you know, structure. While here, it's the opposite. Um, so now more and more wineries are understanding that it's interesting to open their doors because even if you don't sell wine, you know, you create ambassadors, you create fans of your wine. So, you know, when you come and visit a winery, you kind of fall in love with it. And when you go back to your country and go in a wine shop, um, when you see all these references of wine and you never know what to pick, you are going to go for the name you know. And if you visited this winery, of course, you are going to get this wine and you are going to talk about it because you have the whole experience behind it. So it's mainly, you know, like branding and it's going to be uh, creating, you know, this, uh, um, how do you say this? Yeah, memory. This, yeah, this memory. Um, some wineries are going to start selling a few wines at the estate, like a few bottles, maybe like one vintage or two vintages. So, you know, most wineries here, they don't create a whole line of wines. Like, you know, you have one, two, maybe three wines, but that's it. Uh, so we're working on vintages. Uh, so some wineries will have, you know, one or two vintages for sale, you know, create a little shop, but it's it's still fairly new. Is still fairly new when it comes to Grand Cru Classé, the most prestigious wineries. Uh, we take a lot of our guests in these wineries because they are the big names that you want to know. And they are the top wines that are sold all around the world.
0: But do they provide, provide tasting opportunity? Or? Yes. Okay, so, so I cannot buy, but I can taste.
1: Alors, some you can do both and some you can only taste. And then if you want to buy, what the winery will do, because now, you know, they, they 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 are prepared, I would say, that even if they don't sell, because they don't want to compete with this distribution system that is all set, you know. But they
0: depend on the system.
1: They depend on the system. They don't want to mess it up. Um so it's very uh important. And what they do is that, for example, you tell them, OK, I live in the New York area. So they will provide a list of shops or distributors who sell you wine in this area. So it's like working hand in hand with your distribution system, which makes sense because the winemakers is, are going to be focused on making wine. That's it. Now,
0: when so it, let, let me kick in. Yeah. Um, so from a winemaker's perspective, if you brought an american tourist from to me coming from let's say texas it would be a good idea for me to build up a system where i can say you like the wine you tasted here i can order it from here for you in texas and you get it shipped to your home while you are still here doing your vacation this would be a good idea
1: could be could be however it's pretty complex i would say because a lot of wineries don't even know who is the final seller of their wine in each area. Because
0: it's wholesale to wholesale. Exactly. To, oh, okay. There's okay. a lot
1: of middlemen in the in the in the process. And these middlemen you don't know what they stock are. You don't know what their inventory are.
0: Okay, so then let's let's uh, think it from another perspective. If I was a merchant, because also small merchants listen to this podcast, and I had Bordeaux wineries in stock, letting them know that I am one of the direct-to-consumer merchants might be a good idea, so that they can provide my address to the final customer, if it is from this area.
1: Could be, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. so this is just... I'm, no, 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 no i no, trying to understand yeah. How, yeah. How, how we can improve the, mm-hmm. the marketing in a globalized wine yeah. business world. And... Uh, yeah, sometimes it's like the, the distribution the distribution channels are so wide yes. that people just don't know the necessities of the other side. Yeah, yeah, that's is, totally... Uh-huh. So this is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to, to uh, connect. Like, yeah. How can people cooperate better mm-hmm. if they know about what's going yeah. on 1,500 uh, kilometers mm, away from them?
1: Definitely. Uh-huh. Or
0: 10,000 or whatever. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh,
1: yeah. So this is, I would say, the case for part of the wineries that are like you know, the most prestigious one. But there's a lot, I mean, the a lot of makers that sell their wine or have, you know, uh, salespeople in different parts of the world or in France at least and in Europe, and they sell their wine, you know, directly, I would say. Um, So these people, you can go to the winery and buy your wine yourself. They will have some wine available at the estate. So when we take guests over there, they can sell the wine. However, not all of them have, you know, the whole system put together so that they can ship wine abroad because it's not easy to ship wine, especially all each country have different laws when it comes to uh, importing wine, you know, like letting wine go through... Uh, you know borders so it's not always something that the wineries have time also to deal with shipping a few boxes of wine especially that you know um, this type of wineries they have somebody who takes care of the sale but they are going to take care of the sale more on a b2b kind of way not really on a b2c you know.
0: mm. Yeah, and uh, this is it's super interesting to me. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that uh, my, my mind is uh, very, very <laughs> associative and I'm, I keep thinking about what kind of opportunity this opens and how a winemaker could uh, take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And if I, as a winemaker, sell to a B2B wholesale, wholesale mm-hmm. retailer, mm-hmm. so I know that he is going to sell to gastronomy, restaurants, to uh, mm-hmm. whatever. I can put an in information in the wine boxes and tell them, if you are one of my direct-to-consumer retailers, contact me so I can recommend you. I need to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And like th- this information could be placed with a small flyer inside the boxes that mm-hmm. are meant to go to B2B.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I am just... No, to no, I know. I mean, how, how to do this, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, yeah, so uh, this is... it's. it's very interesting. So you say they uh, the, the, sales pers- the sales network of the wineries often also is B2B, it's around the world from these Bordeaux places or um,
1: half- Could be around the world uh, after, you know, it, it's, the cases are very different from one winery to the other. One is going to have a few middlemen and one is not going to have almost any.
0: So do they have direct salespersons or is it the merchants some, yes. who have the... Sa- some,
1: Some use they, they own sales force, some go through merchants.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, and... However,
1: these wineries are more open and they want to sell from the estate directly to somebody who would stop by the winery.
0: I mean, it's obvious. It's the best kind. Of the, the, they, yeah. they earn the most per bottle mm-hmm. in this yeah. way. Yeah,
1: but the volume is not big.
0: The volume is not big, that's right. Okay, uh, so yeah, this is nice to understand. And, um, the when when you look at uh, the kind of wineries that get demanded in your tours, mm-hmm. is it more the wineries that have this huge merchant network, or I mean, can, can you s- no. see a difference, or is it just people Not are happy with anything you present? I know
1: most of the time people are happy to just trust us on the selection. Uh, because also they see the reviews, you know, on TripAdvisor and Google My Business and, you know, all these different um, websites where you can see testimonials and see that, you know, p- people are confident, they are confident after that we can, you know, select the right wineries for them. And I think it's the right way to go because really we have the best position to know where we should be going. Mm. Um because we look for these wineries that offer, I would say, the whole package and each year it can be different because it needs to be great wine, great uh, guide, because the person at the estate is going to be very important.
0: So in that, let's, let's talk critically. You have to have a person that talks English in a way that you can understand. Exactly, which is a big problem it's in many countries.
1: Exactly, so that's that's what we do each year. We make sure that in each estate they have the right person that is going to be also have the right attitude. You know, we want somebody warm that's going to really create an experience, make that you are going to fall in love with the place and have a great time. Um, the person is fifty percent of you know the the work, I would say. The wine, the quality of the wine, the beauty of the estates. Sometimes you don't have a beauty in the stone or the building itself, but you have beauty because, you know, it's the 10th generation uh, of a small family working all together in this yes. place, and it's amazing, and you don't need to have beautiful stone, you know I mean? Um and uh, you want, you know, this winery also to be reliable. You know, we take an appointment with them. We want to make sure that when we arrive, everything is set. Everything is going to be, you know, perfect. So it's like a lot of different criterias that we take in account when we decide who we want to work with.
0: Do you have a fixed quality management system for that?
1: It's really uh, feeling-based and... Um, We know, you know, the list of wineries in Bordeaux is very big, but the list of wineries where we take our guests at the end is not that big.
0: What are the typical no-go criteria? So you talked about the pro side, but what what happened? I mean, obviously, people just fucked up appointments, so Uh they didn't prepare, or
1: well, yes, sometimes. Or you arrive, and yeah, they they forgot about the appointment. You know, like so, it's it's being. Being serious, being serious and, you know, knowing that we can count on them and they are square, you know, we know know what's going to happen. And it's having a good quality moment, you know, when it comes also to the tasting because, you know, some places you arrive at the tasting and it's going to be, you know, maybe this vintage that is not that great that they pull out just for the taste. And we don't want that. We want our guests to have an amazing moment from A to Z. So we want the guy to be good and to be human and to, you know, doesn't have to be the most knowledgeable person, but we don't want the person to be saying, you know, things that are wrong, neither. I have five minutes
0: and you need to go, stuff like that.
1: So, um, and then, you know, the tasting is very important because some places are going to spend one hour talking about the estate and it's very interesting. But at the end, you also come to taste the wine and have an exchange about this tasting and it's very important. And, you know, sometimes this moment, the tasting moment is too, you know, it is not taken into account enough. When this
0: you... is perfect. Let's dive deep into this because nearly every winemaker uh, needs to give tastings from time to yeah. time. What in your opportunity makes up the perfect tasting in matter of time and matter of uh, content? How do you structure the perfect tasting?
1: So uh, we, it's funny because we, we've been thinking a lot about that and usually wineries give an hour total experience, right? So I really think that we shouldn't spend more than half an hour talking about, you know, the technical facilities and the history and, you know, what needs to be said. In general, I think we spend uh, in this hour that we would spend in the at the winery, um, we need to spend at least half an hour at the tasting table and I think there's a lot of things that we talk about while we are visiting the estate the technical facility, the vines and all that that could be talked about during the the seated tasting and I say seated tasting because a lot of wineries still offer tasting standing and I think this is really good for professionals but not for travelers, visitors, they want a moment where they're going to be sharing really an experience. So a few wineries do that very well and offer a tasting room where you are seated comfortably with a little um, booklet of, you know, the wines you are going to be tasting and maybe a game around the tasting, you know, like the the game of the the, the aromas you need to smell or something, you know, like a nice printed... um, booklet about the different aromas or something like that what uh is very important i think when you taste wine and most of the time it's not done is just to offer something that people can actually eat while they drink while they taste and it can only be like a pretzel or a piece of bread or something very neutral and not complicated but it's just that a lot of people because they are not professional tasters, when they come to the estate, they don't manage and they don't want to just, you know, taste wines without having something to munch on. So this is, I think, very important. And on top of it, there are type of tastings that are very easy to put together and you don't have to go maybe to your cheese shop or to the uh, charcuterie uh, before setting up the tasting. You know, you can just have like some chocolates. Now, you know, like a lot of, red wines you know we like pairing with chocolate and you know our guests love it when they discover that they can pair their red wine with chocolate or so,
0: white and salty popcorn and stuff like yeah, this exactly. a bit, a bit fancy, and, yeah. and
1: this is going to create also something different so they go everybody's going to remember it and going to talk about it and going to want to recreate this experience after so uh, i think this is very interesting to do these kind of things and it can lead you also to... So kind to... of
0: a, a lifestyle takeaway that people can implement...
1: Exactly. When
0: they have their dinner parties at yeah. home. This is good. Um, now, when you remember your tours as a tour guide, mm-hmm. what is it that people talk about after leaving the winery? What what are the topics they remember? Like the, 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 the good impressions or the bad impressions they... What do they complain about typically and mm-hmm. what what, do they, are they, uh, what are the unexpected positive gains for them?
1: Well, this is really that most of the time people are pretty impressed about the views. For example, if we have like a part of the visit where we have a view of a beautiful landscape or something, you know, they've never done before, like tasting a single grape variety, for example, or tasting from the bower. You know, these type of experiences that they don't get in another place, they will never talk about, oh, that's funny how they do the alcoholic fermentation. You know, like, this is not something that will come in the conversation. But it's going to be this little specific moment or, you know, little things about the story of the chateaus that is so funny. Or, you know, just a little bite of the history or of the place that maybe has nothing to do with the wine but it's like this thing that you're going to be able to say easily to other people when you're going to tell about your trip or your experience there and that's why I was t- talking also about Yeah, the chocolate and wine and the popcorn and the white wine is that's something you are going to come back in your social world and be like guess what I did last week I tasted that at that winery and it was incredible so you know this is um, this type of Uh, experience or part of the experience that they don't do in other places and that sometimes are very easy or like for example having little corners where kids are going to have something to draw on or whatever something you know that is prepared for kids because now People want to go and visit wineries with young kids, but they don't know how to do it because nothing is done for them.
0: The so, same so, is true with dogs. Like for dogs, all, exactly. Ha- having, having some water and some munchies for the dogs. Exactly. This leaves wow. such a positive memory.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Just thinking about the needs of your customers. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, And I think a lot of things can be done very easily. Like, and, you know, sometimes it's not, you know, People don't see it, but for example, when you talk to your guests standing in the vines, in the sun, in the heat. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, you really want to see all that because it's your vines and it's your wine and you really want to talk about it. <laughs> and, you're,
0: you're boiling your guests. But exactly.
1: And <laughs> yeah. and and you really need to look to read them, you know, like so if they're standing from one foot to the other and they look away, yeah, they need to move. They want to move and they want to, you know, go to the next place In the visit, so it's really about you know creating an exchange more than like a setup experience.
0: Yes, I understand. I I want to uh, just briefly go back to the dog and kid uh, thing because um, I experienced this myself. My mother, she owns two dogs, Mm -hmm. and she's very very happy if she finds a place like a restaurant or whatever a museum where she can uh, go and bring her dogs and not be kicked out because of the dogs Mm -hmm. but be treated nicely and she will recommend this to Mm -hmm. other dog owners Uh heavily heavily because it's so unusual Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah this this kind of experience is is crucial if you want uh, people with families people with dogs to recommend exactly yes and and many winemakers totally overlook this yeah yeah and uh, yeah I I get this good 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 tips you give here i really like this
1: yeah. because i think i mean for me i see us we are really working hand in, hand in hands in hand sorry with the wineries and we want the wineries to create the best experience possible because that's what we want for our guests so it's really important. I'm all about feedbacks, and yes. I, oh, I'm, I must be a pain to a lot of wineries, being like, "Okay, well, this is what we would love you to do," but it's not because I want it; it's because yes. I know that it would be great for our customers.
0: Yeah, and I, I want to extract from you the perfect uh, experience, <laughs> so that other wineries, maybe in Bordeaux, but all over the world, can mm-hmm. set up their mm-hmm. uh, value proposition, so mm-hmm. to say, um, their their offerings, um, because this is it's about selling wine Mm -hmm. and uh, this podcast is about the art of selling wine. Mm -hmm. Um, When people get frustrated, I mean, you must have had this in your uh, company history that people were just like, this was not so nice. Uh, What was it about?
1: Often because the person who was the host at the place was not maybe friendly or knowledgeable or warm. So she didn't or he didn't manage to create A good vibe for the experience sometimes it can be just because the wine was not good but this can come from a lot of things because you know sometimes it's very young vintages because they don't have all the vintages in stock to to put the tasting and for some reason this is something i still haven't understood really is why you know during visits people feel like they need to open the bottle at the moment of the tasting
0: you, ah so you you have wines that need air. Yeah. And they should just prepare yeah, them. Yeah,
1: but they don't because they feel like, you know, guests want to see it being opened. But I don't I really don't think so. I think it's also educating the guest on how to sell the wine. So telling them, "Okay, this I decanted it during 2 hours because this is really what it needs to." Being
0: and, polite to you, I re- pre open this exactly okay it's yeah it's just a matter of how how to sell things and uh, I want to add another thing uh, which I just learned from a German winemaker he's very very big on online tastings and he experienced that um, educating the people about how to store the open bottles and in which order to drink them for example uh, the white wines uh, stored at this temperature down in your fridge or up in your fridge lying, not lying, whatever, uh, open, let them open, close them again. How do you store these bottles and in, in which way uh, can you preserve them for the longest time mm-hmm. once they are open? Yeah. This is critical knowledge. And he says most people are like, oh, I always just uh, threw my old wines away after mm-hmm. three days and now I learn that there is wines uh, that can be open for two weeks and still mm-hmm. still be nice to drink. Like this, this is mind blowing for mm. some people, and for us winemakers, we know about this, but, but we don't p- think
1: of sharing it. Yes, but yeah. many
0: people don't know about it. Yeah. yeah, stuff like this, just, just, yeah. The little educating. tips, but
1: it is really about that. I feel and I understood that from living abroad and living away from a from the the, the wine region is that I grew up in a family of winemakers, so it's just so much part of our everyday life that we don't think about it. But when you live away, and it, actually the shock started when I waitressed in New York and somebody asked me for a Cabernet Sauvignon. And I was like, what are they talking about? Because here we talk Médoc, we talk Saint-Emilion, Bordeaux. We don't talk grape variety. So the first shock was here. And I thought, really, there's really a, a communication issue, like a, a lost in translation kind of thing, because it's not the language. It's really about the culture. And here... Our life revolves so much. I mean, wine is so much a part of our life, and winemaking and wine serving and all that, that there's no real uh, structure of use. You know, it's it's part of the life of you people. You just grow up with it exactly. and know how to handle it. So, so you don't yeah. put words on things. But sometimes it's really important to kind of like put it on paper or put it, you know, like um, really put... St- steps like uh, you know um,
0: what to tell the customer you mean yeah and
1: and how to communicate about things because Mm. it's so obvious for us because we grew up here but it's not obvious for somebody who didn't grow up in the area or in a winemaking area so So if
0: you want to do a cool thing provide this list with tips for for winemakers to download Mm -hmm. and if you provide this everybody who will listen to this podcast will go to your website I know Uh, yeah
1: I think that would be a good thing to do how you you get uh, (laughs) them into
0: your newsletter actually Uh Mm, okay cool Um, do you have anything else to add uh, about the perfect tasting
1: um I think it's always very interesting when you can do vertical or horizontal tasting. So meaning several vintages of the, of the same wine or different vintages, uh, same vintage for different wines. Uh, this is always very, very interesting being able to compare the, the impact of the different terroirs is also very interesting because usually we don't realize and people, you know, it's the thing when they want to choose a Bordeaux wine and they see so many references of just the same appellation, Bordeaux, Bordeaux super, they're like, how can they be so different? Well, that's the terroir. That's, we spend, you know, once I had guests who counted how many times I said the word terroir in the day and it was like hundreds In the, because this is the whole key here. So you play the, the game,
0: every time I say terroir, you take a sip of wine and... Uh... <laughs>
1: Well, we're driving, so we can't do that. But, you know, after hours, why not? Um, but uh, I think a perfect tasting would be not just a tasting where I pour a little bit of wine and I'm like, uh, okay, in that you smell some, you know, aromas of uh, blackcurrant and uh, cassis and uh, licorice and uh, cocoa and nice tannins and that's it. You know, I think it's good to give... The keys to your guest on how to taste. Because most people remember when you started tasting wine. I mean, like, if you didn't grow up in a wine country, uh, wine making country or area, you didn't taste, like, it's not natural. So you need to learn. And it's really intimidating to start with because you're in front of somebody who made the wine or somebody who is You know used to taste wine so you don't want to be saying things that are totally you know wrong so you need to actually help the client to understand the different families of aromas just that you know what is you know uh, a young wine Merlot dominant, supposed to taste like in Saint-Emilion, for example. So give them the tools so also that you
0: could just ask how much they know about wine. Oh, this so is for sure.
1: Yeah, this is for sure. This is usually not something. I mean, us, the thing is that when guests come with us, this is elements that we give right away to the winery, to the ah, guy. So they know, like, okay, so which they level know, are we, Exactly. Okay. But I think it's very important um, To have a conversation about the feelings, about the wine. But you know, if you see that it's not gonna go maybe so much further.
0: You can see that people that it's it becomes uncomfortable for them and they feel like they blame themselves. And we don't
1: want that. Yes. Of course. And you want it to be a positive experience. So what about, you know, as I was saying, pulling some chocolate or something else that is easily stored in one of the cabinets? So
0: have you ever tried? Exactly. So you can totally turn the, exactly. the conversation around. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And that think this is important to be able to jump from one thing to the other. And, you know, now everybody has Coravin, you know, and just be like, you have somebody that's very interested in vertical tastings and, you know, amazed by your older wines and really would want to taste one day a very old vintage. You know, if you have access to you know, older bottle and it's easy to just take a pouring side. This person is going to remember that all their life and going to talk about it to all the people they know who are interested in wine. In this winery, I tasted in the 1985, can you imagine? He poured that specially for us. I mean,
0: creating you can also this just moment. go and ask like one of the younger persons in the group, what is your date of birth? And exactly. And then, you, to, yeah, then exactly. you know what you have to yeah. put. Okay, cool. And
1: And, uh, just also once, um, I mean, we used to do that in this winery. Not a lot of people do red and white in Bordeaux, but some do. And doing, for example, games around tasting in black glass.
0: Yes. This is so much
1: fun, you know, like, and people have no idea that it can be so difficult when you don't have the visual. So just ideas like that of different uh, tasting, you know, fun stuff. Hmm.
0: Um, You are in the same room when the winery also uh, starts the selling after the tasting, right? So you, yeah. can, can you can you please um, give us an idea about the most successful selling approach after a tasting and what, what can be done nicely and what is in, in terms of money, most successful in terms of money? Like, can you be too pushy or yes. do you need to be pushy? No. Like, how, how do I sell I after mean, a tasting?
1: really I mean and we don't go to places where wineries are pushing this is one thing if we start going to a winery bring guests and we see that they are pushy we don't go back there because we want our guests to feel comfortable they pay with us for an experience they don't, we don't want to feel that they have to if they don't feel like it there is one winery that we really I really love and they really know how to do it really well um when you start the tasting you are seated with a little uh, really uh, simple booklet with your name on it the name of the guests so of course it requires preparation but they have an appointment they know the name of the guest they put it on this booklet right away when you sit on the table to start tasting wine and you know the the guide or the the winemaker is going to go uh, in his room to go get the wine and the glasses and you know they they actually serves a few slices of uh, cheeses with uh, walnuts and really easy, very, very nice uh, presentation, uh, you know, on a cutting board. And during that time, you know, you relax on this uh, couch. There's some nice little uh, jazzy music, you know, so just you just feel good, you know music um,
0: another part we mentioned for so the first important. time yeah
1: because n- nobody does it but i mean this i mean no, almost nobody does it.
0: so lounge jazz is always fine
1: yeah but you know it doesn't have to it needs to be very uh light but you know i learned from the restaurant business light and sound are the key elements after location
0: <laughs> okay okay but let's but go back to the it's very important for process. the tasting
1: room. Yes. So, because you want your, your guest to be very comfortable there, okay? Um, and during the time that you go get the wines, you have this little booklet and you see your name on it. So, of course, you want to look at it, right? So, there's a little description of the wines that you are going to be tasting. And there is a little price list there. First, the, the, the guest is going to look at it on its own. The person who is coming back with the wine is not going to talk at all about selling wines.
0: so if I don't want to mention the price of the wine to not have the sales conversation, I just give the information in it's case right you there. need it. It's right there. Okay. There's
1: your name on it. You are going to look at it. You are going to look at it and and then you are going to taste the wines. Are some people like to do the, you know, it really depends on what you sell, but some people like to give the prices after because sometimes it's like these amazing wines that is like is everybody's favorite almost in the in the tasting session and it's much cheaper than all the, all the others, you know, for some reason. So everybody's going to go with this one. You know, it, it all depends on your strategy, of course. But uh, I think this way of having that in front of the guests, letting them taste and they just feel so good because they have such a good moment, good moment of sharing, and you take your time doing the tasting, introducing each wine, and you know you let them, you know, be comfortable. And you know, whenever it's done, they tell them well, if you are interested in getting some wine, we are going to make a stop at the boutique on the way out. So feel free to look around and uh, pick whatever you want.
0: Okay, so uh, general ideas, I. Offer all the information they need, for example, the shipment information, the prices, whatever mm-hmm. is necessary. And then I tell them if you want to buy, mm-hmm. I will be in the store. You can have a walk around, well, whatever. Yeah,
1: or... yeah. But well, usually it's on the way out. So.
0: Okay, and you see this as the most comfortable way of selling. Yeah. Is it also financially the most successful way? Can you.
1: I feel like it's the way that people buy the most the most here with us
0: because they don't feel sold to they, exactly. they, it's a free decision
1: exactly and this
0: is very important
1: the, I think it's key
0: it's key yeah and, I, I um, would agree to this
1: yeah and uh, and I feel like you know some wineries where they're going to ask you right away your email right when you arrive and this, you don't feel comfortable
0: how many newsletters do you want <laughs> we have one two three or four a day you want
1: to create the moment <laughs> create the link and then the the, the the selling or not selling is going to come a lot after.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, cool. Um, one last thing. Now, um, I talk a lot to wine professionals, uh, especially in, in different types of wholesale, retail, whatever sales business. And they say they often get approached by wineries who want to sell there. And some do it nicely. Some do it very poorly. Poorly, mostly meaning they have no real pricing strategy, they just send the end consumer prices and they say you yeah, just reduce about 20% and there you go and they have no, um, no representation material. They, like the, the whole style of approach is totally unprepared and um, now if, if I as a winery would want to work together with you or somebody comparable to you in another country Uh, what would be a good way of approaching you or your company to become partners?
1: I would say that if it's not a major prestigious winery that we already know because we you know we know them all the prestigious you know wineries that you know that are the bigger name I would say that it's somebody that would send me an email and then contact me by phone to tell me that you know what are their strengths Right away i don't really care right away about the pricing strategy or right away i want to know what are their strengths and why i would want to go there you know maybe they have this amazing service where we can have lunch with the owner you know for or maybe they have this uh, great offer where you can do so many wine side by side that testing or you know If it's not a winery that is well known or that I know, I want to know what makes it so interesting that I want to go there. Something different. Not the typical visit uh, of technical facility, vines tasting. You know, I want something different. You know, do we do barrel tasting? Do we know, do we blend our own wine? Do we have like a point of view that is like the best you can have in that region for this and this reason? Or maybe, yeah, it's the the father or the mother that still does the tour on their own. You know, like there's one winery we love. It's the mother who's been, you know, the the wife of the winemaker who does the tour themselves. And it's very simple, the visit, but it's always the favorite because she's going to share, you know, like she's going to share old pictures and show us the old tools that was used by the grandfather in the vines. You know, all this is very unique. It's not something that you can see online or wherever. It's something you need to live and share the moment. Um, so that's the kind of thing I would be interested in going and seeing this winery if they were telling me that. Um after, you know, it's, yeah, it's not the the, the price strategy really that's going to make a difference. One other thing that's going to be very important, and this is very Bordeaux, and important in Bordeaux, I don't know how important it is in the rest of the world, but for example, if a winery tells me, okay, I'm open on weekends, on Saturdays and Sundays, this is also very important because we have a very hard time finding wineries open on Sundays and Saturday in the in the lower season. So finding a great winery open, even if it's not the most crazy one, you know, but the one that is open, you know, and flexible with its hours, it's going to be very interesting for me because. So
0: this is a business opportunity for those who will listen. and Definitely open,
1: open weekends, open uh, holidays.
0: Um. You, you, you pre answer the next question I would have asked. <laughs> so I will just ask it right now. Um, uh, I, I encourage the wineries to ask their merchants, what would you buy from me if I provided it? Mm-hmm. And uh, I will turn this around. What you, wh- what would you want to present to your customers, to the tourists, if wineries would provide it, which they don't do so much? And being open on Sundays is one of those we things. Definitely.
1: Having lunch at the estate. There's, I mean, I know it comes a lot to regulations and having, you know, being allowed to have like a restaurant a title here or to be able to serve food, but a lot of our guests would like to have lunch at the estate, and it's not something that is easy to do, uh, just because there's not a lot of offers compared to that. Um, a lot of people would like to sleep at wineries, and there are a few estates of guest houses, but there's no services around that are provided, so... Once they are in this vineyard sleeping, there's no food, there's no uh, driving, there's so you're kind of like stuck in the middle of nowhere. If you don't have your own car, it's complicated. So these services, if you, I mean, sleeping in a winery and having access to the services would be fantastic and I would sell it totally. But right now it's too complicated because our guests come without transportation and it's... But I bet
0: this these are solvable problems. I mean you just need a uh, catering service from a restaurant near to you and a te- cab service. I mean Uber, come on. Yeah, but <laughs> Uber in
1: Saint Emilion doesn't, doesn't exist. Doesn't okay, Uber but, but in the middle of NET.
0: I've seen cabs <laughs> driving around.
1: Well, in Bordeaux, but not in the countryside. It's ah, still okay. it's still it's still uh an issue, okay. really. And this sucks because you know it could we could develop a lot of things like that.
0: Okay, so ideally, I provided a sleeping opportunity with food and uh, shuttle service. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is something that also some wineries who are interested in local sales, they could uh, work out an idea how to provide this Uh in a corporation. So that it becomes more Uh cost effective. Exactly. Yes. But
1: uh, eating also lunch at the estate is also something very important. And getting to know the winemaker, spending time with the winemaker. This is key. They want, you know, I think the COVID brought that also. People want uh, human experiences more than anything else. And craftsmen. Exactly. So spending time with the winemaker, having lunch with the winemaker is something that is not that difficult to do for a winemaker, (laughs) but that is life-changing for uh, customers visiting.
0: I think this is a very nice list of do's and don'ts. And <laughs> I, uh, I will stop it here. We've just reached the one hour mark. And uh, thanks, Elodie, for Oh, you're me. very welcome. And uh, yeah, this really was the art of selling wine to tourists. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will name the episode like this. Uh, I just I, I took a note on this. And uh, thanks a lot. Thank this a lot. Thank
1: you. Thank you, me too. It great.
0: And yeah, if you want to meet Elodie, Uh, Just check out Bordeaux with Elodie on Instagram, Pinterest, Google, whatever you will find her. I'm sure it's not that hard. And see you soon.
1: See you soon. Thank you.
0: Now, here we dug up some real gold nuggets. So uh, in case I need to mention... Uh, every winery always has room to improve their tasting experiences and listening to the people like Elodie who make their living with bringing tourists, bringing customers to wineries um, that are very good in doing such tastings. This is very valuable for any winemaker, so um, in case you want to uh, improve your tasting business, I would really listen to this episode again and ask myself, where do I have space for improvement? And uh, as we said, uh, you can make people sit down, you can uh, think about food, yeah, about food pairing about interesting food pairing, not just like normal grissinis. Um, You can think about music. Uh, You can think about who is talking to the persons and how you present your winery. And especially the sales modalities, uh, which Elodie described. The idea of giving all the relevant information without being pushy. Uh, This is crucial. It's absolutely crucial today. And so on one side, you can use this episode to improve your own sales tactics. And on the other side, if you now know what people or companies like uh, Bordeaux with LOD are looking for, you can directly contact them and contact them in a way that is interesting for them. So, uh, as you heard, um, people like LOD they are aware of all the big companies and all the big wineries around. If you are a small winery that is starting, it might be very interesting um, to just call those companies and ask them, what would you like to offer to your tourists if wineries would provide it? And then you get answers, answers like being open on Sundays. And then you can say, okay, so this is a niche market. I will be open on Sunday for tourist tours. And this is how you can kickstart your business. So this will work in any area where you have a significant amount of tourists. It's not only about Bordeaux. This can work in Spain, in Italy, in Mexico, in Australia, wherever you are. And uh, I really encourage you to take this very, very seriously. Because today we learned a lot about the art of selling wine to a certain group of people. To uh, let's say all-inclusive tourists and to tourists who are used to a certain way of traveling that is often connected to people from the Americas. And lastly, I would like to direct your attention to another interesting topic that was the uh, connection between the wine producer and the point of sale. So if you work with wholesale and with exporters, importers, uh, you often don't really know who is actually selling your wine and uh, it might be very very important if you work together with tourists and you see okay there's a special um, destination where many of the tourists are coming from let it be the united states let it be china let it be whatever uh, you really want to find out where your wine is listed in which restaurants in which uh, stores uh, people can get your wine so that you can also tell them if you return home this is where you find my wine and uh, yeah today i tried to present you with some tactics for uh, not only mm, informing the tourists where they can get your wine later on but also uh, for letting those merchants and those people who run the restaurants know that you would like to get in touch with them this of course uh, you need to um, to talk to about your uh, with your wholesale uh, company because um, they might not be so interested in that. But in the end, it also helps them. So if they know, okay, you want to know all the small retailers who have your wines in store, so that they can buy, buy my more. Sorry, <laughs> buy more wine from the wholesale company, and in the end, the wholesale company buys more wine from you. This is good for the whole distribution chain. So uh, this might be a very viable tactics to improve your sales abroad in other countries. So thanks for listening and thanks to all my sponsors. We hear each other in the next episode.